Amen. Hey, that's right. Uh, we are in New Age, and New Age, of course, has to deal with what? New Age. And, yeah. Okay. You guys know everything. Let's close in prayer. Why am I doing this? But no, New Age. And that's the premise is that the planet is headed for a new age. As we're going to see tonight, the age of Aquarius. How many guys hear that? That song? Right? That's a New Age term. We're going to find out tonight, actually, hope I get that far, where that term came from. And you won't believe it, but that's what happens when you get connected with demons. Okay, but new age and this is thing and they think it's a great thing and basically uh, there is another place where that uh, occurs that, that, uh, but it, it's called the Bible except the Bible says you don't want to be a part of that age. It's called the Antichrist kingdom. Seven years on the planet. It's going to be horrible. You don't want to be part of it. But again, that's what these demons do. They lie and these people have concocted this whole thing thinking that being left behind is a good thing. Okay, and uh, that if you're in the seven-year tribulation, you just need to hang on, make it to the end somehow, and you're going to come into the age of utopia. It's going to be great. Big, big lie. Okay, but we've already seen the New Age movement. Uh, again, it's just a cacophony of different things. It's a little cafeteria style. Basically, relativism. You get to decide what's right and wrong, including on eternal issues. If I want a little bit of this from Hinduism or Buddhism or Taoism or Eastern mysticism or shamanism, whatever, even a little sprinkle of Christianity, as long as it's not anything convicting, you know, they, they take a little bit of that, and then voila, that is, of course, uh, your agreement. Now, and so that's why it's kind of hard to pin them down. But they believe basically in monism, pantheism, that you can become your own god or you are god. You need to realize that. Uh, and that, uh, of course, they believe in karma, reincarnation, the Hindu influences are there, and against based on more relativism. So then we begin to say, well, where did all this come from, right? How did all this start? Now, again, we saw it actually technically started in Genesis chapter 3, where Satan and the Garden of Eden, mankind's unfortunately fallen for this same lie again, that, hey, don't listen to God, listen to Satan. As we're going to see tonight, the Satan, or Lucifer, is actually considered a Good guy, they say, believe it or not. And if we can get that far, you'll see this where it came from. And But listen to Satan, okay? And if you do, you'll become like God. You get to be God. You get to determine. That's what this whole thing's based on. So technically, this is nothing new. Solomon says, nothing's new under the sun. It's just been repeated. Again, repackaged. Unfortunately, we don't learn our history, so we're doomed to repeat it, even biblical history, and people are falling for it again. However, we uh, began to start in the 1600s, and with last time, we got to pick somewhere, and the guy was Swedenborg. Okay, Swedenborg, and uh, then we moved on to, of course, Blavatsky, and then Blavatsky uh, came up with something called Theosophy, or excuse me, uh, Theosophy, Sophos, okay, God, Wisdom, Wisdom, Sophia, okay, this divine wisdom, supposedly, in, and these occult techniques, she was tapping into this divine wisdom, and that's where you get the term Theosophy comes from. Then, of course, uh, we left off with uh, her cohort, uh, basically, her protege was uh, Annie Besant, okay, Annie Besant. Now, we're going to continue uh, tonight, and we're going to move over into Europe, and it's a guy this time, and his name is Rudolf Steiner, okay? Rudolf Steiner continued uh, this thread on up today, and this is about 1861 to 1925, okay? And he attempted to find a synthesis between what he called science and spirituality, so he wanted to merge the two, okay? In fact, he came up with a term, okay, that is called spiritual science. It's not just spiritual, it's not just science, it's spiritual science. Okay, now as we saw before, this is how Hinduism, when they came over to the West, nobody was buying into it originally at the turn of the last century. Okay, and uh, so all they did was wait a couple of decades, they repackaged it as a science. No, it's spiritual all the way. But, it, you know, it's, it's a science. Oh, it's not transcendental meditation. No, this is just a breathing technique to help relieve stress. And people bought into it big time. So that's what he wanted to do from the get-go. He wanted to combine the two. And that term comes from him, spiritual 
science, okay? And as we're going to see, he began to not just think about these things, believe in these things, but this guy was great. This was like, this was pre-social media. I wonder what he'd do if he had Facebook, okay? But this guy took his beliefs and he went all over the place, okay? He developed what was called the uh, Waldorf education. You ever heard of Waldorf schools? Get to that in just a second. Uh, He believed in biodynamic agriculture. Doesn't that sound scientific? Well, there's a spiritual element to it, and we'll get to that in a second. And uh, uh, anthroposophical medicine. So I got in the medicine. Now, if you look at all three of those, education, uh, agriculture, food issues, okay, and alternative medicines, New Age Today still latches onto all those things as a platform to teach their New Age ideas, okay? But he believed there was no limit to human knowledge, okay? Now, well, how did he even get down this route? Well, listen, when he was... You're, going to, you're always going to see a pattern with these people. At some point, they have an encounter with demons, okay? And that becomes their source of truth. When he was nine years old, Steiner believed he saw a spirit, the spirit of an ant who had died in a far-off town asking him to help her. Okay, first mistake, what does the Bible say? If you see some sort of spirit, I'm not saying he didn't see something, but if you see a spirit and it says it's some dead person, dead relative, in this case his aunt, okay, is that who it is? No. The scripture is very clear. You go to heaven, you go to heaven. Praise God. Anybody glad you don't come back? That would be rough. Going. Okay, if you did. Okay, but if you go to hell, you're, you're in hell. You ain't coming back. So this is a familiar spirit the Bible talks about. It's a demon masquerading as somebody to seduce you away from the truth, i.e. God. So that's what was going on. But he later related that his, uh, as a child, he felt that he must carry, because of this encounter, that he must carry the knowledge of the spiritual world, and he must speak of the world of that which is not seen, the invisible other world, right? So that's what got him started. And he literally took it to heart that, okay, I guess I'm chosen to let people know about this stuff. Well, guess who he got in contact with after this? Theosophy. So he starts getting hooked into the Blavatsky route there, okay? And uh, he starts to uh, not only go there, but he begins to speak there. And eventually, he became the head of the German Theosophical Society, okay? A bigwig there. And uh, he was appointed by, at that time, Annie Besant, okay, to head up the German uh, version of the uh, Theosophical Society. And he's doing that for a while, and he's doing lectures and kind of combining with the two his thoughts and uh, theophysy and that nature. And, and then he breaks off to form his own group. Okay, And this is where you have kind of a subset of uh, theosophy. It's called the Anthroposophical Society. So you got the Theosophical Society, Blavatsky, Besant, and this guy kind of is a little tweaking it, his own version there with the Anthroposophical Society. And it grew uh, rapidly, and he began to work with other people and all that stuff. And, and at this point, it's, it's, again, it's not just this guy was sitting on these beliefs. This guy was looking, and again, this is you know late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, no TV at that time, certainly no computers and all that stuff. So how are you going to get the word out? You believe in this stuff? You believe since you're nine years old, you're called to inform people of the spiritual world, right? How do you... So he begins to use what was available. And the first thing he began to tap into uh, was schools. Man, it's a good thing that schools aren't being hijacked today to teach New Age and other false teaching. Yep, uh, they are. Okay, but anyway, and he called it specifically the Waldorf schools, okay? The Waldorf schools, if you guys are familiar with that. And, uh, and basically, uh, the schools, uh, he first started them in Britain, okay? And they're based on what? It's not just, hey, come here and learn math. They're taught, this guy's spiritual principles. So if somebody goes to school, guess what they're getting indoctrinated in? Now we're going to see later, maybe next time if we can get that far, we're going to see that this is actually what has happened on a global scale thanks to the UN. The UN has hijacked 
the global curriculum on the planet. Now, that sounds crazy. It sounds like that, who in the world could pull that off? They've been not only pulling it off, they've been pulling it off for several decades. And that includes the school system here in the United States. And again, as I said before, this is why. If you're wondering why each succeeding generation that comes out of our secular school system, what are they thinking of like? Judeo-Christian? National sovereignty? No. It's all the spiritualism. It's all come one, come all, relativism. All religions are the same. And, and who cares about the United States? We all need to come together in a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economy. And, and they'd love this marking. Where do you think they're getting that from? But we'll get to that uh, later. But he began to use schools. There are actually right now more than 1,000 Waldorf schools worldwide. So this guy's stuff is still being uh, promoted all over the place. Uh, then he began to uh, get into uh, what was called the spiritual science issue. He began to get into not only education, but medicine, okay? Uh, the performing arts, drama, and music. So if you will, that was the early version of, you know, TV. People go watch a show, and he'd weave it into the plays and stuff, uh, his teaching stuff. Youth, why is that youth? Why? Well, because what, what did Hitler do with youth? See, there's, there's a power with youth. Have you noticed that? Right? Youth. Youth. The youth section over here. Right? Youth. Hello, youths. Youths. You know, remember those days? 500 million years ago? Right? When we were youths. <laughs> right? And what's the thing? Man, you're going to conquer the world. You're invincible. And you want to change the world. And you know what? That's great. That's awesome. The enemy knows that. So the enemy takes that stage of life. And I'm convinced what he does is he hijacks it. And he gets the youth to use their energy, their minds, and expend them in the wrong direction, okay? And that's why he was invested in that too. But he also got involved in agriculture, and of course, what did he put in there? That if you do his exercises and his spiritual meditative techniques, that you too, okay, could connect with the spirit world. He believed that his uh, ethical di disciplines that he came up with, and again, this meditation training, uh, that anyone could develop the ability to experience the uh, a spirit world like he had done when he was nine. And that uh, you can uh, uh, understand your real, true, higher self. Okay, and again, that's Hinduism, that you are God, the God consciousness and things of that nature. And he believed that once, if we can get the humanity to do this, because again, he's on a mission. And if we get um, humanity to do this, then we can have a more uh, moral and supposed free individual and that we would solely activated and, and just existing out of love. And isn't that the lie of new age, Right? If we can all just do this and follow these things and these teachings and we're going to create that age and everything will be great and everybody will love each other and it'll just naturally happen. Excuse me. Have anybody noticed this thing called the sin nature always messes that up? <laughs> they have no answer for that. They just think somehow you just flip a switch and then, all, hey, we're all nice. That's not reality. It's, that's why it's doomed. All of man-made human efforts, human potential movement, new age movement, all these things that rely on man to get it right and man to perfect himself is doomed because of the sin nature, okay? But that's what he teaches. Now, he also proposed, again, reincarnation, karma, and uh, working with, here it comes again, psychology. Now, again, why is that important? Because, again, Freud and Jung, they were involved in the spirit, and uh, uh, Jung was into it heavily, Freud admitted at the end of his life, if he had to do it all over again, he'd rather go down the spiritual route than the other route, okay, as well. And this is that same time frame. This is the turn of the, in the uh, early 20th century, the early 1900s and forward. This was heavy duty, big time, popular even here in the West. And those guys were in it as well. He also founded a system, again, of organic agriculture that he called biodynamic agriculture. And it was the, one of the very first forms of modern or organic farming. And you go, well, what's wrong with that? Well, what do you see on the rise today? 
especially with earlier generations. Right? How many guys grew up eating dirt? In fact, uh, what was, are there some studies, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just an old wives' tale, but it, they say some studies that, hey, man, if, if you actually keep your kids away from too many germs, it's not good for them, right? So how many moms out there on purpose let your kids eat dirt? <laughs> Thank you, because now my mom feels justified. I love your mom, right? Man, you got to have some dirt. you got to have some germs, right? But anyway, but now, you got, now what, what is it? Oh, no, no germs, wonder. And it's this organic thing, and don't you, and I'm not saying, hey, let's go out there and eat pesticide. Woo! You guys want to do that this weekend? Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. Okay, so I'm not saying that, but you're seeing this heavy-duty push that's kind of spinning off now from the environmental movement, save the planet, and all that stuff. And that's been hijacked by New Age. Okay, but now it's all about this food. And last time we saw food restriction, what's the two common things that we got here? Uh, celibacy and food restriction that comes along this, what 1 Timothy 4 uh, warned about would come from teachings from demons in the last days. That's, how, that's happening too. Okay, but it's this, uh, this food thing and it's all organic and we gotta work together and cleanse our bodies and become, and uh, this is what this guy taught. But again, remember what was his term? It's not just science, not agriculture, spiritual science. So you think, well, what's wrong with organic farm? I'm telling you, the, the enemy is a master at taking good things and getting people interested into it. He hijacks it and inserts false teaching. Okay, gets people interested in all kinds of stuff. Now listen to this. Listen to his version of biodynamic farming. Uh, he believed that uh, biodynamics is that the farm is, as a whole, seen as an organism. Okay? And so you have to time your agriculture activities, uh, sowing, weeding, harvesting, uh, based on the alignments of the moon and planets and stuff, which is basically astrology, and the application of natural materials produced in specific ways uh, to the soil. And you're going, okay, well, that's... Whatever, farmers know when to plant stuff. What's the big deal with that? But, okay, how are you going to get that record crop? And I quote, by engaging non-physical beings and elemental forces. So the spirits are going to help your carrots get bigger or something of that nature. Now, if we can get that far, you're going to see another guy uh, in Europe. I think it's still in existence over there in Europe. And uh, they also are into this eco-village farming, whatever. And they're into like fairies and stuff, and they help their plants grow and stuff. So again, it's not just, again, it starts with this uh, farming, organic, eat healthy. Nobody's against that. But what comes with it? What comes with the package? This spiritual element. And they're using that to get people seduced uh, into that. So you've got to be careful. And then he was, uh, also got into medicine. Right? Now, is there a big movement now with alternative medicine? Yeah. Is that necessarily bad? No. But oftentimes what comes with that alternative medicine is, guess what? New age. I'm telling you, they're hijacking all these things to seduce people into that. So he gets into this too, uh, including with pharmacists and physicians. Now remember, this guy's on a mission. He's using everything he can at this time, pre our current technology, to get the word out on a global basis. Okay, And so he began, and he actually produced and generated a pharmaceutical company called Walida. I guess that's how you pronounce it, L-E-W-E-D-A, and it's still in existence today. I looked it up. It's a major mega, more over in Europe, but it's a major worldwide alternative medicine uh, medicinal clinic. Okay, and again, is that bad? No, but what are you going to get when you get cooked up with this entity? This guy's new age baloney, okay? And so then he goes into social reform, and he suggested that we need to have a cultural reform, a political reform, economic reform, and that we all need to work together to provide and establish equality and protect human rights, and he called it the threefold social order. You know what the Bible calls it? The Antichrist kingdom, one world government, one world economy, one world religion. Right? 
This is where all this stuff goes. And again, these guys think that's what we got to have. This is what we got to bow down to. This is what we got to give up our rights, our national sovereignty. This is why we have to surrender all of our differences and our religions to just come together under this umbrella to create this utopia. They think it's a good thing. The Bible is the only book on the planet that says, don't you even think going down that route. That is the Antichrist. You don't want to be a part of it. Then it gets, of course, into the architecture, the visual arts. Again, he's using everything. Uh, one of his uh, primary uh, sculptural works, uh, listen to this. It, it's a, a sculptural work uh, of Jesus Christ, but he shows Jesus as being mute and very impersonal. Why? So that they could show that uh, beings that approach him must judge themselves. Jesus is just sitting there not saying a word. So again, even in art, this guy's sending this message uh, uh, of new age. And, and again, then of course he got into uh, uh, plays and and uh, all kinds of things of that nature. Now, he also had a magazine, okay? Now, listen to the name of his magazine. You tell me, hmm, maybe a red flag might go off, okay? But uh, this is the name of his uh, magazine, Lucifer Gnosis. Anybody going to subscribe? Don't raise your hand. I'll Lay hands on you. No, Lucifer, what? excuse me, what was that? who do you think you're following? But again, see, they think Lucifer's a good guy. I'll get to that maybe in just a second. Now, Lucifer, of course, Latin meaning light, light bearer, okay, and that's what they say. He's just a light bearer. He's here to teach us, right? He's not, the Christians got it all wrong. Poor guy. That's literally what they believe, right? Okay, and gnosis, of course, meaning knowledge. So Lucifer, light bearing knowledge. That's the name of his magazine. And of course, what was in that magazine? He's talking about initiation rituals, reincarnation, karma, you know, knowledge of the supernatural world. Okay, and that again, that we need to spiritually evolve. Now, again, you're going to see that you need the lie of evolution in the brains of the people on the planet to fall for this second new age lie. Okay. It's an evolutionary, spiritual evolution that mankind is going to spiritually evolve. So again, in order for people to fall for this spiritual evolution, you had to have some guy back in the 1840s named Charles Darwin get the idea kick-started. He wasn't the first guy. There was others like uh, uh, Lyle and others that, that started, but uh, he gets the credit for it. But 1847 or something, uh, Darwin, or, Origin of the Species, and so he gets the physical evolution, and not long after that, 50 years, certainly 100 years later, hey, now that you're used to physical evolution, let's talk about spiritual evolution. So I'm telling you, evolution is just, that's why I call it evolution, because boy, does that spawn all kinds of junk, okay? But anyway, so uh, speaking of this Lucifer, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Maybe we'll get to her later tonight, but uh, he's not the only one. You're going to see a common thread in New Age, and I was in there, and I remember reading stuff about this, and, and, I, I, and that's why, oh, those nasty Christians, they did it again, right? They think he's a good guy. Well, this other lady, uh, her name is Alice Bailey, okay, and she actually had something called the Lucifer Publishing Company. Okay, gee whiz, what do you think you're worshiping there? Okay, and uh, the Lucifer Publishing Company, and uh, listen to this, and, that the, the, and what was the idea? Because again, they didn't have social networking and things of that nature. This is in the 20s, they didn't have TV, right? So how do you get these ideas out? So they publishing, writing, a lot of people don't really read much anymore, but back in the day, that was the big thing. And uh, so to promote their ideas, and step by step, they plotted the coming of the new age, when a lot of these terms starting to get into our psyche, if you will, and with instructions and plans for the institution of, here it comes, new world order. Now, the phrase new world order is a new age term. Now, you're seeing politicians like George Bush Sr. and Bill Clinton and people around the world, even in Europe, okay? Uh, in fact, uh, Joe Biden, remember that video clip I showed to him outside of Colorado? The 900 cadets, 
It was like the week right before I was there for a conference preaching. It was like, whoa, you got to be kidding me. And uh, he's actually out there saying, we're looking forward to you, young generation, to aid us in creating a new world order. This is not a political term. This is a new age term. But when these guys in the political arena are using it, folks, I'm sorry. I don't think that they're that ignorant. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I think they know what they're talking about. And it is a spiritual uh, issue that's going on there, the new world order. So that's what she's doing with her Lucifer publishing company. And uh, they also had a symbol, at least Alice Bailey did. And that symbol was the rainbow. And the rainbow was their, this is in the 20s, was their identification sign and to discuss extensively the plans for a religious war. Is anybody taking the rainbow as their sign and they're warring against Christianity? Hmm, I wonder where it all started. Uh, and forced redistribution of the world's resources, uh, mass planetary initiations, and the theology for a new world order, worldwide disarmament, and the elimination of obstinate religions. Can I translate that for you? Christianity. And that's another common thread you're going to see in these new age people getting information from demons is they want to get Christianity and Judaism, by the way. And she even discussed the sacredness of the new world leader's number. Can anybody guess what it is? 666. But again, they think that's a good thing. Okay, so back to the Steiner guy. And of course, he believed that at one point, too, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Okay, and, uh, but he decided after that encounter that his version of Christianity uh, was not going to be based on the Bible, but his own personal experience. And so guess what? It ain't at all like Christianity. <laughs> okay, so, but, that, but, but, it, but, but don't people do that today? Don't teach me doctrine. I don't need doctrine. I don't need some man-made religious institution. I don't, I can do this on my own. I think it means this and I, same thing, right? Stick with the Bible said before, over and over again, and you can never be steered wrong because God does not lie. Stick with the word of God. And he felt that Jesus Christ was just simply a being, not Jesus as we would know in the Bible, that unifies and inspires all religions, okay? So no matter what faith, and that the being of Christ is central to all religions. It's just they call them by different names. No, don't think so. And that every religion is valid. Remember, 25% of the professing Christians in the American church today, 25% believe that statement. All religions are basically the same. That all paths basically get you to heaven. They're different. Remember that interview with George Bush Jr. when he was asked in the interview? Do all Christians, I forget the... the the guy, the news guy. Remember that clip? He said, do, do Christians and Muslims, do they all go to heaven? And what did George Bush Jr. on tape say? I believe they do. They got different, they got different paths to getting there, but I, got, I guess that's my best impersonation. They got different paths to getting there. Whoa, 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 you just blew John 14, 6 out of the water. How could you say that and be a Christian? And then he was even more specific. He asked him a second time, do Christians, non-Muslims, Muslims, so now there's people who, of anything. Do they get to heaven? And he said a second time, yes, they do. This is new age, okay? And this is what one-fourth of the church thinks is perfectly fine. So I'd say somebody's advertisement, somebody's indoctrination is working. And I'd say it can only work if you don't know your Bible, okay? But let's continue on. So then, anyway, uh, he also had a very unusual view, of course, not so surprisingly, of the second coming of Jesus. And he thought that Jesus' uh, second coming, it wasn't physical, it was spiritual, right? And that it was, uh, it was uh, going to happen 
uh, his coming, not in a physical realm, but in the etheric realm, a spiritual realm, and to an increasing number of people, right? As they awaken to this Christ consciousness, etc. blah, blah, blah. Another thing. Now you're thinking, nobody's going to fall for this. Well, listen to this. Steiner was approached, so he didn't go seek this guy out. This guy came and sought him. He was approached by a Lutheran pastor, okay, who asked if it was possible to create a more modern form of Christianity. You know what the Bible calls that? Apostate Christianity, fake Christianity, okay? You know what the term is in society? Liberal Christianity, right? But this guy approached this guy and wanted to work together and involved uh, Roman Catholic priests. If I get that far, we'll talk about one, who uh, Pope John II and the previous Pope, Pope Den uh, Benedict, said this guy is awesome and he's preaching New Age. This comes from the Pope saying, no, this guy, he's on target, okay? And uh, so they get involved and so they begin to synthesize Catholic and Protestants together uh, around this new modern Christianity and new age thought. And it's a good thing we don't see the Catholics and Protestants getting schnookered to come together, Protestants going today. Anybody paying attention to any conferences coming out recently? Together 2016 was the latest one. Did you see what was going on? Hey, I don't have a problem with Christians coming together, but when you purposely invite a private message from the Pope to come speak at your conference, you just cease to become evangelical. Got a problem with that, right? The Bible's all about unity, but unity around falsehood is not biblical unity, okay? And that's not the first time, folks. I'm telling you, the trend now is the Protestant church is walking right back into the arms of the Roman Catholic Church, and the Roman Catholic Church is a part of this stuff, amongst other things, and we better wake up, okay? Now, again, uh, he's into all this stuff, and he was also into... Uh, that your, his version of Christianity is just make it up as you go without dogma or policies. And he was also big on believing that uh, in the universal priesthood. In other words, that men and women can be pastors. Good thing we don't see a sign of that happening in the church today. Same thing, folks. All this originally started with New Agers, okay? Uh, and, of course, he had a major influence. I can't read all the names, but most of them are artists and influential people in the theater and the arts and educational system and things of that nature. And so his work was paying off big time. And, uh, and of course, uh, this leads to another guy. Now, you guys might have heard of this. This guy was well-known in the New Age circles back when I was involved into it, unfortunately. And this is going to lead to a guy back. That was in Europe. This is a guy over here in the United States. And his name is Edgar Casey. Okay, Edgar Casey, if you're familiar with that guy. And 1877 to 1945, he was basically labeled as the sleeping prophet. Yeah? And I don't know about you guys, but that's my rationale for when I'm up here preaching my guts out on Sunday mornings and half of your snooze and you got drool coming outside, I can see you. But I don't take it personal because, oh, it's a sleeping prophet, a prophet of law. We are so spiritual that my work is making a difference. Yeah, whatever. But let's move on. I'm not bitter about it. Hey, at least I don't do what my instructor did in Bible college. I told you guys that story, didn't I? Oh, he was awesome, man. You never fell asleep in his class. Okay, so I went to school at night for how many years? I don't know, uh, seven years, right? Working full-time, going to school at night full-time and, and stuff. And so, man, you're tired, right? Legitimately so, right? And uh, so three and a half hours of lecture after working all day, whoa. And uh, so, but you never fell asleep because if you did, here's what he did. He was all mic'd up, right? And everybody's sitting out there like you guys. And he's, about, and he's just going to town, man. He's ripping it on, right? And I thought, this guy, he knows everything, man. He must have been sitting there with the Apostle Paul when he was writing the New Testament. He knows everything, man. It's crazy. And so he just, and if he saw somebody's, 
I do them fall asleep. Kid you not, he wouldn't miss a beat. He wouldn't just keep talking. He's talking exactly what he needed to on the notes. It was completely on target. He would sit there and he would get down, keep talking, wouldn't raise his voice, nothing. And so the and he'd get right there next to the person. The whole class could see except for the person falling asleep. And he's going and then he was just and the person and the funny thing is, as soon as that guy he made the thing, he, he got the books went flying everywhere and whatever. And uh, he's still talking perfectly on target, exactly what he needs to be finished. All trains like gets back up here, it never misses a beat. I'm going, whoa, you're good. <laughs> and I'm never falling asleep. <laughs> I don't think he'd fall for the sleeping prophet thing either. But anyway, so let's move on. But anyway, sleeping prophet, okay. And uh, he was supposed to be this expert on uh, uh, various things. He would, he would fall asleep, get into these trances, and he'd get these uh, healings, the secret knowledge of the healings of people, right? And uh, in uh, reincarnation, he had a big, he had a big uh, a section of his teachings on Atlantis. He was supposedly in touch with the people of Atlantis, and I'll share with you how he supposedly got that. But there's an org- it's still continuing on today. It's called the Association for Research or Enlightenment, or A-R-E. Uh, they actually have a hospital, university, over there in Virginia Beach, uh, still to this day. I remember back as a new ager, I considered actually moving out there. And uh, he literally became, uh, uh, if you will, a spiritual celebrity uh, until he died. Okay, and we'll find out how in a second. But uh, he believed that he had these uh, psychic abilities. Okay, and we'll get into how he tapped into that. Again, it's demonic. <clears throat> and uh, one of his major sources that he would get into these trances and he'd seek this wisdom of Atlantis or wisdom of this and that and whatever was something, if you're familiar with the New Age, uh, this will ring a bell. And it was called the Akashic Records. Anybody remember those things? You ever heard of that? New Agers? Former New Agers, hopefully. Okay. That was a big thing. I, the catch was like, ooh, the secret hidden knowledge. Well, let me explain to you what that was. Uh, in both theosophy, okay, and anthroposophy, uh, whatever you say, with Steiner, okay, both of those versions, uh, they believed that there was something called the Akashic Records, okay? And it was supposed to be this uh, c- uh, compendium of thoughts and events and emotions in the non-physical plane, okay, in the astral realm, right? And so basically what they believed uh, if I, I'm trying to simplify it for you, is that surrounding the planet is this spiritual plane. And in that spiritual plane is connected all of this spiritual knowledge on everything about humanity's past and future up to, I think, the 28th century, supposedly, right? And so basically, it's supposed to be this spiritual version of secret knowledge, hidden knowledge that man has forgotten and needs to rediscover surrounding the planet. Now, how's the only way you can tap into this? Dun, dun, dun. You got to get into the occult. <laughs> it's a prerequisite, right? Okay, whatever. So, but that, that, that's really what it is. And, and basically, it records the past and future of human thought and action. And again, you got to be clairvoyant to tap into this, okay? And, and in there is supposed to be the actual history of Atlantis and other civilizations. And again, the, the future of the planet. And it's supposed to have it's this big, giant, supposedly recording library in, a, in the spiritual sense. Uh, uh, all the desires of, of earth and the experiences on our planet, the experiences of every human being since time began, and e- even the reactions and experience of the enta- uh, entire animal kingdom. I think I'd rather read the dictionary uh, than this. But anyway, whatever. But it's, anyway, so it's all that stuff. But again, only a trained occultist can not only tap into this, but see, there's still a danger. Because once you tap into this, is that really the Akashic Records or is that just your imagination? So you've got to be really serious into the occult before it can be reliable. But anyway, so that's basically what that is. Oh, by the way, he wasn't the only one that got into this. So does this Rudolf Steiner guy, 
because okay, he was a proponent of Atlantis. Or Lemuria, you ever heard of that one? So the legend of Lemuria. It's basically like an Atlantis, except this is supposed to have been in the Indian uh, Ocean, Pacific Ocean, that region over there. Okay. Now, another big New Age book that bases itself, this knowledge of this book, is where we lead to this Aquarian thing, is something called the Aquarian Gospel. Are you guys familiar with that? It's a New Age book called The Aquarian Gospel. It's written by a guy named uh, Levi Dowling. And in this New Age book, okay, it's supposed to be the true history of the youth of Jesus Christ. Okay? And it's supposed to be based on this person tapping into uh, this uh, uh, Akashic record uh, orbiting the planet in the spirit world. Okay? And uh, he supposedly transcribed this book from what he supposedly got from uh, that area. And uh, this is actually a big... Now, New Age doesn't have, if you will, a Bible. Like, we have a Bible. That's our sole source of truth. Uh, they don't really have it. They pick from everything. But we'll get into this later when we get into their practices, their cold practices, okay, where they derive their source of truth from. There are certain books that are big ones, and this is one of them. A Course in Miracles is another one, okay? But there's other ones. But, but anyway, so that, that's why this is important. Now, in this supposed book that he supposedly got from tapping in from this supposed Akashic Library... Okay, we get the real knowledge about Jesus, including the birth and early life of Mary, the birth and infancy of John, the education of Mary and Elizabeth, uh, the childhood and early education of Jesus, the life and works of Jesus. That's right, not just in Judea and the Galilee, that area there, but also in India, in Tibet, Persia, Assyria, Greece, and Egypt. Now, how many of you guys have heard that thing gone around? Okay, that Jesus, he really snuck over into India and he learned these secret Magical technique. It comes from this guy. Who, where'd he get it? By contacting demons in this supposed ethereal realm and tapping into this demonic library. Yeah, that's reliable. Okay, but people still repeat it today. They came from this. Okay, and they believe that he went to these other cities because he was going there to learn all this knowledge and to prove to everyone that he was the chosen one. Okay, and, uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, with this book, they promote reincarnation, karma, the Hindu stuff. And they believe that time is separated into ages. And that the last age lasts approximately, uh, these ages last about 2,000 years apiece. And that we are supposedly, according to the Akashic Records and this Aquarian Gospel, we're almost ready to, for that next 2,000-year cycle, the Aquarian Age. Hence the title of the book, the Aquarian Gospel. Okay, and that's what they're all working towards. Any day now, we're going to that cycle's over. And according to the Akashic Records, right, we're going to enter into this age of utopia. Again, it's a lie. Okay, and that again, all souls, they believe, will eventually evolve and become perfect like the Christ, okay? And you're going to see that term repeatedly used over and over again. Not Jesus Christ, but, and not Christ, the Christ. We'll get to that in a little bit. That's specifically a New Age term. And the Bible does mention it. Maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, he also claimed to have produced a mount, uh, account of Jesus, uh, Edgar Casey. So not just this Steiner guy, not just this uh, other guy with the Aquarian Gospel, but Edgar Casey believed that he tapped into the Akashic Records and he learned more stuff about Jesus that we don't know about. And, and they actually uh, have what's called the Aquarian Church that's based on this Aquarian Gospel. And they have a movement that they promote. And that movement is called the I Am Movement. Okay. And uh, why, what do you think they mean by that? What did Jesus say? I am, right? Referring back to Old Testament, God declaring himself to Moses. Who do I say that? You tell him I am, okay? It, it's an expression of deity, right? Well, this is one of the lies of New Age. What do they say? We are, you, you follow the, don't listen to God. You go Satan's way, Genesis 3. You'll become like God. And you get to recognize that you're God. And then you can say, 
as some people said, remember I shared with you some quotes from people in the church, mainly the Word of Faith teachers, right? Frederick Price, uh, Benny Hinn, and uh, those other guys there, uh, Kenneth Copeland, what are they saying? We're little gods, I am. In fact, that was a direct quote from Kenneth Copeland, remember? He said, I just say, I am. And then he chuckles, that ain't funny. Okay, that's a major teaching of New Age. It's basically saying that you are God, you become gods, etc. blah, blah, blah. Oh, did you notice that there's, uh, we'll get into her later, uh, Oprah Winfrey on her show, what's one of the big things? This I am thing, right? I am. If you notice some other Protestants around, they're starting to use this same kind of verbiage. It's a new age term, okay? But it's a new age term not saying I am, like I exist, therefore I am. And we're not talking about that. This is saying that you are God, okay? okay now, he was born in Kentucky, and you're saying, well, how did this guy, how did this guy get into all this, okay? Uh, as, a, as, a, as a child, he was considered a spiritual child, and he played with, guess what, little folk. Obviously, my family. No, that's not the little folk that he was talking about, okay? We're talking, I, I would assume here, uh, which, again, is part of New Age and stuff, leprechauns, and don't call me a leprechaun, okay? Uh, leprechauns and fairies and things of that nature. And then, oh, oh, and what, what was this biodynamic farming dependent upon? Little spiritual entities to help your garden grow and stuff. And, and is, is that being promoted today with kids and cartoons and stuff? And the spirit behind the tree and Pocahontas and all these little fairies that can help your garden grow. And, and all, it's, it's new age. It's a cold stuff, right? Oh, it's just a cartoon. Kids won't take it serious. Yeah, whatever. And that generation. And so that's what he, so as a little child, he believed that he saw these little things and he played with them, Right. And uh, sometimes he saw his deceased grandfather. So there you go again. You got, you got a demonic tie as an early age, okay? He found it very difficult to keep his mind on his lessons at school. Uh, but he was taken to church services when he was 10. And he was reading the Bible one day, apparently, while he was in the woods. But he, but he saw a woman with wings and told him that his prayers had been answered. How many guys would say that was not an angel of God? Number one, because it steered him away from God. Number two, does the Bible ever depict angels as women? Never. So another deception uh, that's going on there. The next night, though, after a complaint from the school teacher, the school teacher said, hey, listen, your son, Edgar, uh, he ain't doing good in school, uh, and he's, he's you know, losing it in spelling. So his dad tests him that night for spelling, and his dad got upset with him, which I'm not recommending this, but his dad knocked him out of his chair, out of exasperation, right? So at that point, as the account goes, Edgar heard the voice of the lady that he ran into yesterday, the day before, that told him and told him that if he could just sleep for a little bit, just sleep for a little bit, that they could help him in this situation. So Edgar asked his dad if he can go rest for a little bit, and his dad did, and he put his head supposedly on the spelling book. Now, when his father came back in his room and woke him up, he knew all the answers. And I quote, his father thought he'd been fooling before, uh, his father thought he had been fooling around again, so he knocked him out of the chair again. <laughs> Darn, that didn't work either. Dads are smart. You know, you can't pull one over those guys. Anyway, shortly after this, Edgar <laughs> exhibited uh, this ability to just go into a trance or what he called sleep, hence the sleeping prophet. But he literally was able to work himself into a meditative state and get to an alternate state of consciousness. And again, this is why you keep hearing me harping. Is it starting to make more sense now? Why in the world is Pastor Billy warning so much on yoga and meditation and all these uh, techniques coming into the church about breathing exercises and prophetic prayer and all this stuff and get you relaxed? Because it's a way to get yourself an altered state of consciousness. And has anybody seen a pattern here? When you get your body and your mind into an altered state of consciousness, what pops on the scene? It ain't God. And that stuff's coming into the church. Okay, it's all the same goal, it's just different techniques with different verbiage repackaged 
It's just occult techniques. So anyway, so he does this, and uh, he begins to uh, learn that he has this ability that if he goes into this trance, then he can provide uh, a diagnosis. Uh, in fact, one time, when his first uh, experiences with this, uh, he was struck on the base of the spine by a ball in a school game, and after which he began to act very strangely, and eventually he was put to bed. Well, he went to sleep, and as he was sleeping, he was in this trance. Okay, all of a sudden, he was able to diagnose the cure for his baseball injury, so supposedly. And I quote, once again, his dad, uh, his father boasted that his son was, quote, the greatest fellow in the world when he's asleep. <laughs> now, I think that's a universal truth, right? <laughs> Wow, dads are cool. Anyway, uh, anyway, he received an eighth grade education. He continued to develop his psychic abilities and eventually went out for employment. All right, so uh, now this is where it gets crazy. I was talking, uh, coming on in, and I was saying, uh, this guy actually was involved in guess where? The church, or a church, if you want to call it that. Uh, he got hooked up, and he became a member with this belief and this occult behavior. He became a member of the disciples of Christ, and he actually taught, Sunday school. This guy. Good thing that nobody ever worms their way into churches, into positions of influence and teaching and authority and boards and stuff, and they don't know Jesus. Yeah, happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, that's why we put in a filter mechanism, at least the best that we can, prayerfully to avoid some of that stuff. And, uh, but he, he's teaching Sunday school, and he said he, there, and this is in the church services, he could see auras around people. He spoke to angels, and he heard voices of departed relatives. And he agonized, but this is, this is interesting, he agonized over whether these psychic abilities were spiritually delivered from the highest source. So even early on, he was, going, he was in a quandary. It's kind of like, remember Muhammad back in Islam? He's in the cave. His first initial thing when that entity came to him, he thought it was an evil spirit. But his family and others, oh, no, no, go play along with it, bud. Yeah, you got a good thing going. Surely Allah wouldn't lie to you. And, and the, oh, no, and that's when he changed the tune. Uh, no, it's the angel Gabriel. Well, he had, this guy, Edgar Casey had some qualms about it. But then eventually he gave in to it, and then he started to go public with it. Okay? And uh, he became world famous. People literally, of course, this is pre-TV uh, and stuff of that nature, and, uh, but people would write him letters from all over the world because they wanted him to go into a trance and give them, uh, some people go through him for stock market advice, financial advice, all kinds of advice. A lot of people will go to him for cures. I got this ailment, what do I do? Go into your trance, you know, give us the remedy and such, blah, 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 okay? Uh, today, what people would do with this guy, they would call him up on the phone and give him the credit card number because that's what's being done today as well. But this guy was an early version of that. Uh, he asked for donations to support himself and his family so they could do this full time. He actually helped raise money uh, to produce this thing, and, and it's still in existence today. I couldn't believe it. I looked. It's on Amazon. Okay, it's a, it's a card game called Pit. Anybody hear that? This, this guy comes from this guy, Pit, and it's a board game, card game, uh, based on the commodity trading of the Chicago board trade. It's still, you can go buy it today. Okay, so that was a, a money source for him. And uh, basically, he was almost always in this uh, uh, trance-like state. Uh, he had a secretary that would transcribe stuff as he's in this alternate state of consciousness and stuff of that nature. And uh, the more he did it, the worse off his health got. Drained him of his end. Well, gee, I wonder why. Okay. And who you're messing with. And basically, uh, he, he, at one point, he got, his health got so bad, he was considering stopping it. Uh, but the voices told him to keep going. So he did. And eventually, we're going to see it killed him. Uh, and so, but again, he would often give out these uh, weird remedies. Right? But don't, you know, don't, it's got to be the truth. 
and for people with ailments, and they would be something, it could be electrotherapy, ultraviolet light, diet, there again, that, that food restriction thing, uh, diet, uh, massage, uh, the people into massage, hey, you, you know, and we'll get into that later, reflexology and certain things, new age is big, they've hijacked a lot of these things, uh, and I, even, uh, uh, I'm not against uh, uh, chiropractors, and I'm, I'm not saying they're all like this, but back in New York, uh, there was a guy, and that was his pulpit. He's a chiropractor, but it was a new agey thing, and that you could heal with your hands, and it wasn't just getting your back straight, so you got to be careful of that too, because they've gone into that as well. But massage gemstones, remember we talked about crystals and all that stuff, and that was some of his uh, things. And again, these voices told him to move to Virginia Beach. Why? Because the sand crystals there would have better curative properties and promote spiritual healing. And, uh, but the more he got into it, the darker it got. It started to get more and more of occult themes uh, that was coming through. And then eventually he starts to get into this. They told him that all these practices were helping to bring light into this world. Again, it's like that hundredth monkey thing. If we get enough people doing this, and this is what's going to bond us all together, and then we'll make that cosmic spiritual leap and blah, blah, blah. And that's what they began to teach him. He starts getting into uh, uh, readings that were about dreams, people's dreams, uh, coincidences or synchronicities. Like, hey, I've seen that before. And that's supposed to have some meaning. Uh, developing intuition. Again, astrology, past life relationships, soulmates. You've heard that today. And things of that nature and a whole bunch of stuff. He got to the point where he was doing eight readings a day, okay, because he never could get caught up with these pile of requests, and eventually uh, it killed him. But a lot of people began to uh, take a look at his work, and uh, they realized that, listen, this is a bunch of baloney, right? And, and one of the acid tests, uh, these people they come across, uh, they would say that, uh, you take a look at his work, and uh, I don't think it's going to be very valid. One guy said this, this is a science writer. He said that the reality is that his cures were heresy, his treatments were folk remedies that were useless at best and dangerous at worst. Casey wasn't even able to cure his own cousin or his own son who died as a baby. And many of his readings that he give these cures took place after the patient had already died. Because right? he always had this stack, he was always trying to get caught up. And so he supposedly got this reading that was supposedly accurate. And that's right, okay, you take this reading, and your loved one will be just fine. Well, they were dead two weeks ago, dude. You missed the boat. So that right there, it's very deceptive, okay? Uh, but uh, he began to uh, also influence other people. Now, listen to these names who were influenced by this guy. Woodrow Wilson. Wasn't he supposed to be a Christian? Maybe? This is not too good if he's supposed to be, okay? Uh, Thomas Edison. Where'd he get his ideas anyway? Hmm. Irving Berlin, uh, George Gershwin, uh, amongst others. And of course, he believed in the existence of not only Atlantis, but here comes the same root, aliens, the Space Brothers. Right? Maybe they could tap into those Akashic records better than us and help us with all this incredible knowledge. Okay? And of course, he was also influenced by, guess who? Once again, the root, Blavatsky. Okay? And uh, with that stuff. And he actually declared that the Piltdown Man, remember our creation studies, Piltdown Man, which was a hoax, okay? Uh, complete hoax, come out, I think it was in the, yeah, 1953, was proven a hoax. They took a human skull and an ape jaw and filed it down to make it fit. It's called a lie, right? Well, this guy, the demons told him that Pilt Man was not only genuine, which is proven false, but listen, that Piltdown Man was an uh, an Atlantean colonizer who had traveled to Britain. Demons lie. They can't help but lie. Okay, that's what it is. 
And, uh, but anyway, so that lead, that's this case there. Now, let's get to that lady I talked about earlier, uh, Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey, she's another big one. Okay, and this is where you start getting into more specific terms of uh, one world government, one world economy, and you're going to see before this age of Aquarian starts, certain people are going to disappear, but it's a good thing. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. Alice Bailey, this is 1880-1949, okay, this lady. Uh, she wrote more than 24 books on theosophical subjects, okay? Uh, her real name is Alice Latrobe Bateman. She's originally from Manchester, England, but she came over here to the United States where she spent most of her life uh, into this stuff. Uh, she got into a wide range of esoteric spiritual thought covering topics uh, that relate to uh, uh, the solar system, meditation, healing, spiritual psychology, there's psychology again, the destiny of nations and prescriptions for society in general, how to create world peace and stuff. And her work was, where'd she get her work from? Once again, the occult, demons that she telepathically dictated by her, and a capital M, by her master, the master of wisdom, also referred to as the Tibetan, the Bible calls it a demon, whatever, Tibetan, and also went by the initials DK, and that was uh, identified as Dijual, D-J-W-A-L, Dijual Kul, okay? Her writings uh, were similar to uh, Blavatsky. Uh, they called them both ageless wisdom as they tapped into these entities, um, and uh, they had a lot of common themes, a lot of common themes, especially, uh, guess who they wanted to get rid of? Christians, Christianity. And they, she had a vision, too, of a unified society, uh, which included a global spirit of religion, and uh, when we can get all the religions together on the planet, this is what's going to help birth the age of Aquarius, okay? Uh, she was born into a wealthy uh, British family, and she was a member of the Anglican Church. How many times did these people, at least for a moment, I mean, they're responsible. At some point, they rejected it. But it just, it just breaks my heart. How many times did these people, at some point, they're, they're still kind of messed up. Uh, There's kind of, sometimes in the middle, they're like, which route do I go, whatever. They get acquainted with the church. And remember what happened with Annie Besson? She, she was waffling. She, I, I don't, I, it, it, I, I got questions. And what they tell her? Ah, you've already read too many books turned her off, and she went full-blown into the occult because of that. And, the, and here she, she's a part of the Anglican church. Now, I'm not saying that's the best church on the planet, okay? Uh, I don't think it's as bad as it is today, but still, she's into the church. Why? It's, it's like, and, and my heart goes, I hope we don't miss opportunities when people who are granted are messed up and involved in different things, but at least we're faithful enough to at least tell them about the real Jesus and take the time to answer their questions. Now, they might still reject it, but at least don't sit there and say, eh, whatever. Okay? But anyway, so she was involved in that, and she even received a, quote, thorough Christian education. But she still went the other way. At age 15, she was visited by a stranger, uh-oh, a tall man dressed in European clothes that wore a turban and told her uh, that she needed to develop self-control and prepare herself for the work that he had prepared for her to do. Okay? Which turned out to be, I guess, she this entity, and they worked together to create 19 books and uh, meditation works. And uh, literally, her work has gone literally uh, and virtually uh, most of the countries around the world. Uh, at age 22, uh, she did work with the YMCA and the British Army. That took her over into uh, India, where she met her future husband, uh, Walter Evans, at that time. Uh, he became Episcopalian priest. Wow. 
I mean, so she's got every opportunity in the world. It would say, why did she choose to go in a different direction? And now I'm not saying just because this guy became a, uh, a part of the Episcopal Church and a leader in the church that that doesn't make you a Christian. Do you realize that? I don't care if you graduate a degree, that doesn't make you a Christian. I don't care if you go to a seminary, it doesn't make you a Christian. I don't care if you buy it in the pulpit, it doesn't make you a Christian. I hope I am. No, I believe I am. Don't, don't doubt, right? And uh, so, but, but that's the reality, right? So I'm not saying that. Remember I told you my story when I was in the New Age? I still, to this day, I don't remember where it's at. I don't remember the name of it. But it was a church setting with pews lined up with stained glass windows. And we were in there, and it was a weekend New Age conference. And we were in there all doing the um, and after about 30 seconds of doing the same sound, something spiritually kicked in. And then they had kick out classes in the Sunday school rooms, and we were developing our psychic powers and reading each other's minds, right? So, so listen, maybe that's what this guy was. I don't know, right? But, but that stuff does kind of happen on. So eventually, uh, didn't get along with this guy, so she got a divorce, okay? So she goes into, guess where? Theosophical society. Starting to see a pattern? See where the root, a big root of it is from? She gets involved in there, and she quickly rises into a position of influence, okay? And believe it or not, one of the big areas that promoted uh, theos- uh, theosophy was in Hollywood. Yes, Hollywood, the Hollywood, right? Uh, it was in a place called Crotona, okay? And at that time, they had a magazine that they promoted out of this place in Hollywood. Uh, it's called The Messenger. Well, hmm, it's a good thing that Hollywood doesn't act and use movies as a messenger today to promote New Age and occult belief, yeah. They just do it in movies now, not just this magazine. But Crotona is uh, one of the three important theosophical colonies in the United States. Uh, this, it got started in this area in Hollywood in the 20th century, 1912. Uh, today it's still going, and it's called the Crotona Institute of Theosophy. It has a massive, massive library in, uh, of the occult. Uh, and eventually they moved it just north of Hollywood. I looked it on the map yesterday. Uh, in uh, Ojai, O-J-A-I, how do you pronounce it? Ojai, California? Ojai, really? Well, why didn't they spell it with an H? Oh, hi! Yeah, okay, California. Okay, I got it now. Yeah. Hus, give me a minute. I'll get it. Yeah. Anyway, so it's in the So it's just north of Hollywood, wherever that place is. You can spell it yourself. Okay. And, uh, but it's still there today. Okay, if you want to do it. Okay. But anyway, so she's, she's involved in that. And then, of course, she gets into uh, Annie Bassant. Remember her? Okay. Well, these two kind of uh, have, if you will, like a little falling out. And Bassant charges Bailey that this Tibetan guy, this spirit that uh, Bailey's in target with, is a lower spiritual entity. So it's not as good as what Bassant's coming up with. Yeah, called a little rivalry that was going on there. But anyway, so it's Alice Bailey. She's the one who founded the Lucis Trust. And, and she also promoted the Arcane School, World Goodwill. That's working with the UNs even to today. Uh, triangles. Maybe you'll, maybe people, they make fun of New Age. New Age, they got triangles on their head, right? Well, from here, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, she had a quarterly magazine called The Beacon. And again, her publishing company, Lucifer Publishing Company. Uh, the Arcane School gave instruction and guidance and meditation uh, via correspondence, teaching people how to get into this kind of stuff to connect with the demons, frankly, uh, and promote her books. World Goodwill intended to promote a better human relations around the planet, defined as love and action. We just need to love each other, right? And that included the support of the United Nations. We're going to have a whole section just on United Nations, what's going on later, Lord willing. The triangles, are the, why they, they call them the triangles, is a groups of three people. You had to have at least three people uh, to meditate as a unit 
uh, on human relations to bring unity to the planet, okay, at the same time each day. Okay, that's where she gets triangle, the three. Okay, uh, she, again, she founded Lucifer a Publishing Company. Lucifer meaning, uh, it's from Latin, meaning light or light barrier. And, uh, and also the Theosophical Society, they also named, uh, used the name Lucifer uh, in their magazine as well. So it wasn't just her. Again, that's a common theme in New Age. Lucifer's a good guy. In fact, I printed it out. It's still in existence today uh, from Alice Bailey. Uh, it's called the Lucis Trust. You can go there yourself. I just printed out the About Us, you know, whatever, uh, lucistrust.org. Go check out yourself. It's a real entity still preaching this stuff that Lucifer's a good guy. Listen to this. And I quote from their website just yesterday. Uh, Bailey's reasons for choosing the original name are not known to us, but we can only surmise that like the great teacher Helen Blavatsky, for whom they had enormous respect, sought to elicit a deeper understanding of the sacrifice made by Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer, as one of these solar angels, those advanced beings who descended and thus the fall, to bring people to the principle of mind uh, back then that was animal man, so they're talking about Adam and Eve in their you know, early form of man, uh, the descent of these solar angels, listen, was not a fall into sin or disgrace, but rather an act of great sacrifice. And that Lucifer is just simply the light bearer. And so really, the Christians once again got it wrong. When they say that Lucifer fell, well, yeah, he fell, but it really means he just descended on earth to help us out. That's all. Talk about sneaky and demonic, okay? And her writings, one of the things she's big on is what's called the seven rays. And these seven rays are supposed to, you know, emanate and help evolve the universe and things of that nature. Uh, nothing new. Hindus actually teach something similar to that. And again, big thing about the evolution of human consciousness. She wrote something called the Great Invocation. Okay, New Agers still use this today. And, uh, and that basically the Great Invocation, if you repeat this invocation, okay, over and over again, this is going to help bring the harmonic convergence that if enough humans on the planet can uh, use her great invocation, and they actually look at it as upon in New Age, her invocation, this great invocation, uh, as important, like we would sit there and say, hey, for Christians, man, the Lord's Prayer, right? The Jewish people, Psalm 23. New Agers, Alice Bailey's great invocation. And that's what they got to do. Got to get enough people on the planet praying this great invitation or meditating it, and it'll pop us into a new spiritual realm. If we, you know, the hundredth monkey theory, get enough to do it. Supposedly everybody starts doing it. Okay, now, in response, believe it or not, to the September 11th terrorist attacks, the great invocation was used uh, at a daily program uh, to meditate for peace. Did you know that the UN has a meditation room? Yeah, we'll get into that uh, later as well. But describe that this, if we get enough people doing this great invocation from her, that the Christ, okay, will return to the earth. And, uh, and again, she took out all kinds of stuff to get people uh, to do that, and that this is going to help bring uh, harmony back to the planet. Now, again, you're seeing that they keep using this term, the Christ. Very quickly, I know it's getting late. Matthew 24, turn there real quick, because I keep using that term. I just got to go ahead and get this to this. And I remember after I got saved, and the first time I read this and noticed the definite article, I'm going, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You've got to be kidding me. Every, as Jesus said, every jot, every tittle, every word in the Bible uh, has a very important meaning. It's all there for a purpose. But Matthew 24, and the disciples again are saying Jesus, talking about his second coming, when he's coming back, right? And, uh, 
at verse 3, he's sitting on the mount, all his disciples come to him, tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age, before he talks about earthquakes, famines, pestilence, wars, all that other stuff, what's the first thing he says? Watch out that what? No one deceives you, including stories where Satan really is a good guy who fills his Right? No one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am what? Not Christ, I, not I am Jesus Christ. What's it say there? I am the Christ. That is a new age term. That's what these guys are promoting. And that's what we, they believe, we just need to realize that we are all part of the Christ consciousness. Jesus wasn't something special. He was just able to tap into the Christ consciousness. And enough humanity could recognize our divinity and the, tap into this Christ consciousness, then we could all make this spiritual. And the first thing Jesus warned about, when you see a whole bunch of people saying, I am the Christ, don't get deceived. Don't fall for it. Okay. Another thing that she was very anti-Semitic, even in this great invocation, quote, the plan in the invocation refers to the plan that has a high priority on the removing of all Jewish presence, including of human consciousness and influence, and a goal to, uh, to achieve to eliminate Judaism, period. Well, that's interesting. What does the Antichrist do halfway into the seven-year tribulation? He seeks to annihilate the Jewish people. Uh, and so she thinks it's a great thing, and it's in that. And again, that this is what's going to uh, help us evolve into a higher state. Now, what she believes is we, if we get enough people doing this and the occult techniques and all this stuff, that humanity will spiritually evolve. You know, the hundredth monkey thing, and then we'll just spiritually all of a sudden, a, a trigger will go off. And enough of us who are of a spiritual high enough vibration, a high enough spiritual evolution, we will make that leap, that cosmic leap. Now listen to create this new race on the planet. But there are people in this process that we're headed for. Okay, this new race in this Aquarian age. These people, certain people will not evolve. Quote, they are very low-grade human bodies and they will disappear, causing a shift in the world. What in the world do you think that is? But do you see how so twisted and seductive it is? They actually get you to think that being left behind is a great thing. It's wonderful. It's awesome. And then you can sit there in your spiritual pride as you just landed into the worst time in the history of mankind. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'm sick and tired of Uncle Joe anyway. Man, he keeps telling me about Jesus, this, Jesus, that, Jesus, that. Apparently, I'm a chosen one. How seductive is that? And what you're going to see as it continues to progress from Alice Bailey, okay, and you get into even more modern, they're even more blunt. I share before you the quote, and we'll close in prayer, um, but uh, a new age one, um, Barbara Marciniak, uh, who I used to follow. Uh, yeah, I still have one of her books in my office just to quote the source because people say, oh, no, they don't teach that. Here's the book, okay? Uh, and she said, uh, don't be surprised, and this is from aliens that she's connecting with supposedly from the star system Pleiades the, the aliens demons have told us that don't be surprised when you see perhaps 20 million people disappear on the planet in one afternoon okay and when that disappearance happens it's okay they'll be taken care of but you the chosen ones behind mankind will be transformed age of utopia so and what's kind of interesting, too, not that I base my belief on that, but uh, these demons, full of deceit, 
leading people away from the truth. Um, they're not trying to explain away the post-trib position. They're trying to explain away the pre-trib position, right? Because everybody disappears before all this gets unleashed on the planet. Now, I don't base my belief on that, but I find it all kind of interesting. Why would you pick on that one? That position, very interesting. Lord willing, next week we're going to get into uh, some more folks uh, in that as we continue to get, we're going to get into the Catholic guy. Believe it or not, again, the Catholicism uh, is big on this as well. And then we're going to get on that big guy, Benjamin Cream. You guys familiar with him? We're going to get into that, and then eventually we're going to get into Shirley MacLaine. We're going to get into more modern names, and uh, Oprah Wan Kenobi, Oprah Winfrey, Eckhart Tolle, one of her big giant guests you always having, these life courses and things of that nature. One hundred percent new age the problem is she's got the influence of tens of millions of people all around the planet and it's working so let's pray well hi this is pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and get a life ministries and i hope you enjoyed today's study but in closing before you go let me ask you one final question if you were to die today are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell you see here's the problem the bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven and that's because god is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word, Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that 
and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the ten commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him 
to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.